Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting once again in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, it's good to be yeah. back here. It's good to be back, man. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. It's uh, still hot as fuck outside. Oh, it's brutal. It's sucking brutal, man. I mean, it's so hot. I mean, it's hot everywhere. Hot everywhere. You know, I saw a, a thing in the uh, on the news yesterday that, uh, well, we know it's hot in the northern hemisphere. It's summertime in the northern hemisphere. So it's wintertime in the southern hemisphere of the globe. And... They're having 100-degree temperatures in, like, Argentina and Chile. And it's it's winter, there. winter there. Yes. <laughs> Something's not right. Something is not right, man. Something is not right. I mean, it's crazy going nuts. In fact, it's so hot that uh, in the Bay Area in California, uh, a woman was in the San Francisco area along the highway and I guess this is why it's so I mean, it's very hot. And she had uh, guns, and she was on the highway shooting at cars on the freeway. You know, she was shooting at cars, and you know, she, they arrested her. She's shooting at cars, and she's making death threats towards people. She resisted arrest, and she did this all naked. She was naked. Because she I was guess, so hot? I guess she was so hot. <laughs> you know, and she pled innocent. Uh, she showed up in the courtroom with clothes. Okay, I guess good. it's so hot that, uh, you know, she had to get some relief. Huh. You know, just that get it get out. Tricky. That could get tricky. Well, yeah. I mean, she was uh, actually kind of attractive. I saw well, her mugshot. Well, at least yeah. it wasn't a concealed weapon, you know. And, well, uh, we don't know. Well. I, don't, I, I don't know. The story didn't get that deep. Uh, she might have had something concealed, but, you know, it's nakedness. Right. You know. I'm saying, how are you going to conceal a gun if you're well, naked? Well, I mean, I've known uh, okay. some right. women who uh, okay. well, had some uh, areas about their body that were larger than usual. Okay. Let's just put it that okay. way. <laughs> you know, they got around. All right. Sure, we'll sure, sure. That is fact. All right. Yeah, well, t- well, everything I say is true. Yes. Everything yes, I yes. say. I agree. You know, so that's crazy going nuts. And yeah, and the heat is crazy. And we're like, apparently here we're 20, 20 inches below normal in rain. Right. So we're half. It's, I think we've had about 19 inches of rain so far this year. And we're, yeah. we're, we have a, we're 20 inches short. So we've had less than half of the normal rainfall so right. far. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's very dry. It's very I, scary. I, I, I saw another news story where they said uh, in the Midwest, some of these, uh, you know, people have hay stored in their barns, you know, the yeah. dried hay, that they're actually having uh, hay spontaneously combust oh. from the heat <laughs> inside the barn. It'll burn the whole barn down, but just no sparks or anything, just, just the heat inside of there. Yeah. Insane, well, it's, it's, I wonder what, you know, it's extreme summer heat. I'm just curious to Talk see. Talk right into the tip of it. There you go. All right. There you go. Now you're talking. I'm just wondering, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. You can't hear me this way? Uh, no, it's not as good. No? You're talking across the diaphragm. That's uh, better. Yeah, right into the diaphragm. Yeah, it's a diaphragm of the mic. That's how it picks up. That's how it 
trans. It, it, uh, I thought humans have diaphragms. It's a slow pitch. All, all, it's a slow pitch. All, all kind of diaphragms, man. But they're uh, all kind of diaphragms. They're all they're diaphragms in your your uh, your car engine. They're diaphragms in uh, all kinds of equipment. Get out of here. Oh, There's yeah. no diaphragm. Straighten oh, yeah. them out, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Straighten them out. All right. Don't, yeah. don't egg us on. <laughs> you know, slow pitch. I've never slow. heard that before in my life. Anyway, it's, uh, you know. But uh, now you, you now I don't know what I was talking about. You interrupted in me with this diaphragm thing. Uh, uh, you, know. you were uh, I don't know. It'll come back to you. It must be in your notes there, huh? No. Oh, okay. It was off the top of my head. Oh well. Or in my diaphragm, whatever. It's the wrong okay. place. Yeah. yeah. Top, top of your exactly. diaphragm. Oh well. You know. You can uh, review the uh, the minutes and uh, address it at a future show. I guess so. Good idea. Well, uh, so what else has been going on with you, Manny, this week? Uh, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm just working. You're, I'm yeah, working nonstop. The kids are back at school. Or they're yet. about they're to come coming. back. They're you're, coming back. You're uh, loading all up these, the textbooks. Uh, yeah, getting all ready these to fucking, fucking spoiled rich little brats <laughs> who couldn't make it into Harvard or any other li- Ivy League school, so they think Tulane is, you know, Harvard yeah. of the South. Right. And, uh, you know, they're paying $80,000 a year to go there. And they complain about a, a, a $100 book, you know? What's right. the difference? Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's, it's, it's not their money. You're going to be paying this off for the rest of your life, kid. So what's the difference? Another few hundred bucks. Sure. You know, and they're all Nor'easters. You know, they're all these Nor'easter kids who are just spoiled rotten. Okay. And I really can't stand them. Sure. That's yeah, why yeah. I want the pandemic to come back. Right. You right. Know, well, I want the pandemic to come back. So that's a good not, excuse. Yeah, I yeah. love. You know, my life was so happy when during the pandemic. Man. <laughs> I was so happy. I was a happy guy. Uh, you know. I had a good pandemic. Did you really? Absolutely. Okay. What happened to you? Well, why was it good? It just gave us a, a chance. We work in the movies. Uh huh. And the um, union really stepped up. Oh. And so with the, uh, what was it, 600 a week coming from the government. Okay. Uh, yeah. Unemployment. our union, you know. Yeah. And what union are you in? IATSE. Oh, you're in the IATSE 478, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. I'm yeah. on strike right now. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Unemployment. We're union brothers, man. Yeah. Are you getting unemployment? Uh, no. You should apply. Um, well, I don't know. It's, it's Manny has a full-time job. Yeah, so. I have a full-time job. Well, it builds up, but just check yeah, it out. Yeah, I know. But I, I have to support my union brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And fathers and uncles oh, and yeah. mothers I dig and stuff it. like that. Well, speaking of movies, uh, I, I uh, we on the last podcast, I talked about how I was going to uh, a whole whole uh, movie, uh, group movie with uh, your wife and some of the other uh, troubled wives there. Uh, the yammering bitches, the, yes. the same, yes, yes. yes. So uh, the, the very next day we went to see this. So were you the only guy who went? No, there's a couple of other guys, a couple of uh, other husbands involved there. And did you wear pink? I did not. I you was not uh, I was pink. I was the only person not wearing pink. I, I wore a pastel uh, sort of uh, mint green shirt, which uh, which complemented the uh, the the... The color. Uh, well, my wife there. said she enjoyed the film very much. Did she? Okay, yeah. well that's good because I thought it was garbage. But uh, she, anyway. she enjoyed it very much, except for the gang rape scene on Barbie. Yeah, that was unexpected. Yeah, man. I didn't she see that didn't, one coming. She wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, me either. And she said it was it wasn't very realistic. I mean, she was it was too realistic, but almost not realistic because all the Kens 
you know, they didn't have dicks. Right. There was no dicks. So a lot so of rubbing. Just, yeah, it was just a lot of rubbing. Friction. Right. And, Be careful. Uh, I've seen the movie twice. Oh, okay. really? Really? <laughs> you like it that much, huh? Did you work on it? this moment. No. Oh, you didn't uh, work on it? Yeah, yeah so... Uh, to each his own, you know. It's no accounting for taste. Uh, yeah, it, it's... Uh, well... It was a visual it's spectacle, pretty awesome. I'll say It's that. pretty awesome. Okay. Really? Yeah. Cool. I haven't and seen at it. at the uh, canal, downtown Britannia Canal place, uh-huh. mm-hmm. they have a Barbie cocktail list. Oh. That's based on the characters in the movie. Okay. Cool. And they're 10 bucks a piece. Really? And before I even saw the first one, I was already like 50 bucks down. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why you enjoyed good. it. Yeah, yeah, it might, was good. It might was have good. something to do with it. Well, it well what awesome. didn't you right. like about it? Oh, you know, it's uh, it was a big bunch of nothing in, in my estimation. You know, it's a lot of... Uh, it didn't make you cry because you like to cry at movies. Uh, you know, I, I like to be moved. Uh, and, you and, know. Uh, well, what did you expect coming in? Uh, you know, I, I was—I I didn't have any expectations, right, and so yeah, I, I wasn't so. Uh, really disappointed. But you I were would, disappointed that you had to pay to see it, and you bought popcorn. I bought popcorn. Yeah. You saw that? You saw the the, the uh, photograph we took and sent to you uh, for a full full that. box of popcorn. Anyway, uh, I didn't see any photo. Where'd you see it at? Um, we saw it at uh, Elmwood. We went and saw it at the Elmwood Theater there. Did they have a bar? They do have a bar. But, uh, Did they have a Barbie cocktail menu? Uh, you know, I didn't go to the bar. We was, I was. Uh, that's that's uh, a difference. You gotta okay. go to the bar. You gotta have a couple of cocktails uh, before you see a movie. But Barbie cocktails. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, he was. He didn't want to spend the extra money because he had to buy popcorn. No, it was twelve thirty. Actually, we went and had uh, cocktails at, at at someone's home afterwards, and the cocktails were delicious at the the after that's party. That's different. So that was uh, okay. Well. That's, Again, I feel like I'm getting picked on already. (laughs) Needling me over here. Um, Over Barbie. uh, Right, right, exactly. And then I went and saw uh, Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. That Uh, uh, See, I want to see it, too, because it's another another Jew who's a mass murderer, right? It's basically what it's about. He's a scientist, I believe. Yeah, but he killed millions of people with the invention. He he, he didn't drop the bomb. He just made the bomb. Well, he was told to make the bomb. Yes. So how was that? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought really? it was tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Some great acting, uh, great story, uh, very well-written story. So. And how do you feel about him being a mass murderer, though? Uh, you know, uh, it's wartime, man. You know, I can't uh, go back and oh, do any science. kind of revi- revisionist uh, history here or, or uh, you know, uh, second-guess people's motives. You know, I know he, he certainly was troubled by, you know, later in life by the, the awesome response. We should get him on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, Let's see try if I can to get, get him uh, on Robert the show. Oppenheimer. He can, yeah, he can, he can explain a, his situation. Put a, put a feel his real, to him. Real feelings go. about how right, he felt right, right, about right, dropping right, the bomb. Right. right. On all those Japs. Again, so, you know, again, yeah. he didn't uh, drop the bomb, but uh, that was that would be uh, uh, Truman, right? I don't know. Harry Truman. I don't know. President, Correct. President in charge of bombing. Um, but what was that ship that delivered the bomb? They all got attacked by sharks. Oh, that shows up in uh, in, in the Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's right. They they delivered the bomb and they got eaten by sharks. Right. Yeah, they should have dropped the bomb on the sharks, oh, it's a man. Secret mission. Not, not yeah, right. nobody yeah, knew about yeah. it except the Indianapolis people. Yeah, they delivered people. it, and the Enola Gray. Yeah, and then really the, and then it. who delivered the Nagasaki bomb? I think it was the Enola Gray. The Enola Gray. Enola Gay, right? Gay. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think they were diverted because of uh, 
Hurricane. Yeah, it was supposed to. Yeah. Uh, the original target was somewhere else, and they got uh, got reassigned. Diverted <laughs> in flight, and they went to Nagasaki. Right. right, right. It was a secondary target, as it turned out. Bad luck for them. Uh, the good old days. Come the on. good old days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, uh, actually saw three different bands this week. Something oh, yeah. I don't usually do, go out and see bands, because I'm usually playing. I don't, don't want to go hang out in a club uh, you know, on my off night. But... Uh, Last week when we did the podcast, I left from here and went and saw one of our former guests, Tony Green, uh, his band at Carrollton Station, ran into our guest uh, tonight there. So um, it's, uh, it was a very... Uh, Tony Green? Yeah, Tony Green. Uh, I think that was uh, one we did uh, remotely. So uh, The Gutter Brothers? Yeah, the Gutter Brothers. Actually, he was, brothers? we did it here. Yeah, yeah, he's oh, big, really? big, tall guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that he was, was a great lineup for him. It was, yeah, great. The band sounded great. Uh, had, had DC Harbold playing bass with him for the first time. At your Another, suggestion? At my suggestion, yeah. Was, uh, I, felt, I felt I was getting a little teary there. I felt like a, a matchmaker, you know, watch, watching my, my, uh, uh, my, uh, my two matches walk down the aisle or something. It was a, it was a proud moment. But they sounded terrific. Ran in Try and compose yourself. Right, yeah, yeah, and uh, and then what? Uh, then uh, then two nights later, I went and saw Malavitas, other former guests of ours, uh, Tiana Hux awesome. and and uh, Rob Cambray. They sounded terrific. And then last night, I went and saw this uh, new band called uh, Horse Girl. That uh, it's like uh, eighteen and nineteen year old girl trio from Chicago. That uh, my. Uh, producer I worked with last year, John Onyello, the great John Onyello, had done their last record and turned me on to him in November. And uh, local band? Uh, no, they're from Chicago, and they were they played uh, they're on tour, played at uh, Toulouse Theater. Um, you know, formerly One Eye Jacks. Also ran into uh, again. I'm I'm kind of uh, you know tag teaming these these uh, future guests. Ran into uh, uh, Ben Jaffe. Who, who, you know, from the Preservation Hall and now owner of, uh, of Toulouse Theater and spoke to him about coming on the podcast. So I think that'll be a, a, a future awesome. guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's interesting story. Sounds for like sure. three horrible bands. That's what it sounds oh, like. Man, you, you don't know because you weren't there. It's, uh, Let's back it up. Hold on, hold on. That's yeah, so you horrible. went and saw music. That's yes. great. Anyway. So that's, that's what people do here. They see music. Well, I, I don't usually listen. do it, but I uh, enjoyed doing it. It was uh, three winners this week. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else, Manny, maybe we should get to our guest uh, here. No, I've got other things. Oh, okay. Um, I can't wait. Um, you know, we always tease Florida. You know, we like to tease Florida and Arizona because they're such fucking fuck-up states. You know, even more fucked up than this state most of the time. Yes. Uh, but Florida now has a leprosy problem. Oh, man, I have that in my notes. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just thought... What Straighten it fuck, out, Manny. What the fuck is going on with Florida, man? There are lepers now in Florida. It's making a comeback. Man. Yeah, it's like they're going to have to use some islands to put all those people on like they did oh, back in the day. Oh, it's people. I thought you were talking about cats. No, it's people, Lepers? Man. No, no, leprosy, the, the leprosy. disease of, of leprosy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. back in Florida, man. Caused by a bacteria. You know, yeah, it's, 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 like, you know, it's like, you know, like India, the, the country of India still has the plague. Right. The plague, and now Florida has leprosy. Right. Well, I was thinking, you know, we have we have floods, we have uh, fires, uh, drought, now we have leprosy. It's getting very biblical here, you know? Well, in Florida, it is, the at vote? least. What's that? 
Are they registered to vote? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. Lepers, they're all Trump supporters, I'm sure. <laughs> or DeSantis supporters, you know, supporters. Oh. You know, I just thought that was crazy going nuts. You know, leprosy. It's like, really? Yeah, it's curable. How, how is it on? Yeah. How is it spreading? How is it spreading? What are these people doing to get know. this leprosy? I don't know. It's you not, know, not easy to catch. Yeah, exactly. So what's going on? Is that actually the medical name? Yeah. Leprosy? Well, it's called uh, Hansen's disease is, is another name for, for it. For the but, Hansen brothers. But uh, but the nah, hockey guys? I get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you get that. Yeah. But yeah. Oop, I did it again, something like that. Yeah, the doo-wop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think you're close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not even close. Uh, what was the track? That had uh, Mbop. Mbop was, was, was Hey, listen. <laughs> speaking of going to see... How's that? <laughs> that was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life, was seeing the Hanson Brothers. Oh, that's right. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was one of the best gigs I've ever seen. I went and saw it with our my friend uh, Ian Wadley, and What's they were one? fucking excellent. Kids man. are very talented, man. Yeah. All grown up now. Yeah. They were fabulous, man. Really good. Nice. And they ha- and you know we went there because their 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 crowd is all these young women, single women too. So, we how long ago was that? Oh, I guess it was uh, pre-pandemic, I think. So a few years back, it was at the uh, Joy Theater. Okay. You know, and they had their bus parked right outside the Joy, and there's all sorts of fucking young little hotties outside the bus wanting to see Hanson. You know, I dig it. You know, they're thinking about the old days when they saw them at the mall, you know, and they threw their panties at them. Anyway, you know, it was a good gig. One of the best gigs I've ever seen in my life. All right. You know. Anyway, let's get this guy in, involved. Yes, because, yes, yes, uh, yes. He's exciting to us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it took us this long, but uh, he's going to be worth the wait. Uh, so he's, uh, he's a terrific drummer, a studio owner, builder, uh, tour manager, artist manager, record label head, had the great Monkey Hill label here in New Orleans, uh, oh. former club owner. He's, uh, uh, plays has his band Danola with his wife Sue. He's had, uh, they've also had the band Pink Slip for many years, um, uh, on and on. He's done so many things. Uh, so, you know, we've had a Chevy for a while, and now we have a Ford. So without further ado, the great Mr. Jimmy Ford. Welcome, Thank Jimmy. Thank you. I like that. Hey, I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a good line. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, so, Jimmy, let's, let's start right up top. Uh, so you are a native New Orleanian. That's correct. Has your family been here a while? Forever. My for- parents are New Orleans uh, my grandmother didn't speak English. What, she just what, spoke French. French, okay. Cajun. My dad was from like Lockport, okay, down in there, and my mom was from Oakdale, Louisiana. Oakdale, all right. Yeah, nice. So, Tula, Louisiana. Nice. So you grew up uh, in the neighborhood, kind of around Tipitinas. Yep, I grew up uh, three blocks from Tipitinas, which was a five hundred one club at the time. Five hundred one. That's what I was. Yes. And they've had a couple of names actually with that. With that bar, but um, I grew up like right in that um, Milan and Laurel. Okay, and you two blocks off Napoleon. And you were playing music early on, playing drums. Yeah, I started. Um, I started playing drums when I was around fifteen, sixteen years old, and was able to uh, because my brother and I we were seven years apart. We looked a lot alike mm-hmm. in those days. You know, an ID. You bang. could use his ID. Yeah. 
and was playing in uh, with cover bands uh, uh, pretty early on, you know, 16, 17 years old, and uh, played with a great band that was uh, uh, all Spanish, I mean all Mexican, uh-huh. I should say. And uh, there was a club on Constantinople in uh, Constance called La Luna's. Mm. It was a um, Mexican bar, had uh, um, bands on Saturdays and had a lot of wedding receptions. And one time the drummer didn't show and I was listening to him forever and I sat right in and that was it. I played with those guys for... Yeah, he, he yeah. got hired onto the band. Nice. 15, 16 years old. Nice, man. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So you you did that uh, till you graduated high school? Did you wind up? Uh, no. Okay, go on. Played with a bunch of bands and then um, started playing with Vance DeGeneres, mm. um, Ellen's you know brother. Right, right, great bass player. Played with the Cold. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and television bef- producer nowadays, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. And he and I had a band. Um, had the singer Don Camperi, who was like Robert Plant just on the button and we uh formed this kind of metal band and alvin young played guitar he was a bass player um many when he was like 15 16 i was his guardian for a while his parents signed him over to me and let me (laughs) take him on the road you know it was cool it was cool okay so this is like the the late 60s when this starts 60s early into the 70s okay you know and then um and then uh, you start a club here. It's uh, you start. You know, did you ever get a record deal? There were no record deals in those days. I mean, it was all like everyone could not, unless you had a strong, strong, strong person in the band that was writing original mm-hmm. songs. You know. Oh. Uh, so you weren't doing easy. originals. We weren't doing. We were um, Led Zeppelin, uh-huh. Deep Purple. So you were like a tribute band. Led Zeppelin. You know, right. it was like, well, this is in the late 60s, early 70s. In the early 70s, I remember there were like three or four uh, Zeppelin bands in New Orleans that worked almost every night. Like Zebra started off as one Zebra, of them. There was like 2-4-K was Zebra another one. were big, big, big fans of Hoppy's Favorite. I mean, we had a singer who was just like, <laughs> still. Yeah. Just Where like, is this guy today? Well, he's sick right now, but I heard him like two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he and I played together 10 years. Mm-hmm. His name's Don Camperi. He was a Golden Glove boxer. Oh, okay. He was this frisky little guy, you know. And nice. we toured hard, you know. And in those days, you could go, you know, you had to carry sound, lights, crew, the whole bit. And you'd be in a club for like at least two weeks. Uh-huh. Like touring Daytona. regionally? Oh, okay. Well, Florida, Daytona right. Beach, the Rec Club, Flying Dutchman in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which was a gigantic market because hmm. of all the uh, military yeah. bases. And, um, and Charleston was a great town. One of the most corrupt towns I ever lived in. I stayed there for two years because they had a, a law that a bar could stay open all night. Mm-hmm. If they sold bait, <laughs> fish bait, <laughs> so these clubs that have like a bunch of cane poles in a corner and a, some menace floating upside down, and, and you're there with this Zeppelin band, right? Yeah, and yeah. you're there for two years playing. I was hiding out. I was hiding out. Okay. Why are you hiding? I was. Um, 
I was protesting the, uh, the Vietnam War. War. Okay, yeah. so you're Changed hiding out. Yeah. Oh, oh, no kidding. So you were, you were, uh, they're, they're trying to, to drag you over there, huh? I was, uh, I was inducted. You were inducted. Okay. And I was gone. What did you change your name to? Well, Robert you know. Plant. <laughs> no, um, you know, we're talking about before uh, computers. Blah 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 blah. Right, blah, blah. so you could disappear. The technology was a yeah. lead pencil. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. People writing stuff down, you know. Right. And uh, when I was in high school, I was a pretty good ball player. I mean, I had baseball. I was uh, track and soccer. Oh, okay. In the '60s, wow. which was who uh, played soccer in the '60s? Crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Only English-speaking guy that would be on the field. Yeah. Most times, played defensive fullback. And um, I only learned about it because I played soccer for a private school under a different name. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so when the shit went down, I just used his name and split. Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So he's not going to tell us the name. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, Okay. No no, no reason. Give us the initials at least. W.S. W.S. Okay. All right. All right. I'll think about it. It was cool. So so at some point you come back to New Orleans and you start your your club. Ford I came twice. back to New Orleans. And um, is this after the war? <laughs> no. Vietnam is still going on. At this well, point, I huh? bought that. I bought that bar in uh, with my brother. Uh, Nineteen seventy four. All right. So the war is winding. Well, down. winding still, down. Right. Yeah. It's still a, you know, uh I guess Johnson, Nixon, I can't remember. Well, no, uh, Nixon, Ford. Well, I was was in in the the first lottery. They went to a lottery in 1970. Uh Uh-huh. And they picked, uh, you know about the lottery. It was probably. Oh, yeah. 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 And it was the first lottery. And they literally, I was, I went to Forche High School. Nice. Literally, when they picked the lottery, they they broadcast it over the school PA uh, system. Number one, September 14. That's what it was. And the guy right in front of me was September because uh, you knew because they were they were told we were told this is before you know any technology. Right, right. Everything you were getting was film, film. Yeah. That you would see two months later, maybe. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. um I was in the lottery, and they were saying they were going to 127, and I was 63. So I knew I was going to be drafted. Right. What's the name of your baby? Man. So, so I said, a- fuck that. What? Yeah, right. And I tell you who made my mind up was uh, Muhammad Ali. Sure. You remember his famous speech? I have a dream. No. <laughs> Close. This is this is uh, like a butterfly this, sting. This like has got the N word. He said, uh, "No Viet Cong ever called me a n-. right, right, right." Boom! He went to jail. But that light bulb <laughs> for a lot of me and my friends was like, "He's fucking right." Right. You know, so instead of going life, to Canada, you went to South Carolina. Well, I went to Canada. Oh, you did go to Canada. I went to, uh, and I didn't want to leave. And then I had this opportunity to. I went to. Uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. That was a big, uh-huh. you know, Madison. Wisconsin was always the radical on the edge right. guys. And went up there and um, decided to uh, go to Charleston. 
Okay. So but you're, so you're a wanted man? I mean, you're wanted, hey, you right? you got to stand in line, you know. <laughs> What's that? You got to stand in line for that, you know. But uh, but no. I mean, you're you're an ev- a draft dodger, so your it name's totally, on the list. It got totally cleared up. Oh, it did get cleared up yeah. by the time you came. They to didn't s- want me, or guys like me, or guys even. You know what I mean? Right. Trouble. Right. Yeah. So uh, getting back to uh, Ford's place because we got a lot to get through about you here. Um, so. <laughs> So uh, Ford's Place, and you were asking me the other day, did I ever ever go to Ford's Place? I think I might have made it in once, w- once or twice towards the end. But right. when you when you first opened it up, I was like 10, 10 years old. So uh, you come know. on in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> but uh, you were telling me uh, you, you you opened that place up as uh, like a, you said right in your neighborhood, a couple of blocks from Tipitina's, and it was before Tipitina's yep. had ever started. It was still the five hundred one club, but that was Correct. really kind of closed at that time, right. huh? So you had, so tell us about Ford's Place. Well, Ford's Place, I came off the road and was able to clear up all that nastiness with the uh, Selective Service and the people of the United States military. Right. And was able to get all that straightened up. And then this bar turned up that my brother and I, uh, one block from our house, it was on General Pershing and Laurel, and it was called Dare's. Mm. It was a grocery store in an old, old bar that was a notorious gangster bookie joint. I mean, crazy. They would take a 25-cent bet, yeah. this guy. But this was a, you know, this was, everybody had that kind of action going on. All right, the, they had a, a book in almost every bar. Well, yeah, they were either booking or they had card games going on and right. cutting for the house, you know, and stuff like that. But, um... I, uh, this is one block from the house I grew up in. And when I was a kid and me and my brother, we worked for these guys delivering groceries. Uh-huh. And a lot of these old ladies had card games going on. They would take a, a literally a 25 cent bet. These bookies. I mean, they were big time guys, but they had this whole deal going on. So it was, uh, I knew them. Uh-huh. You know, and then, um, I came back years later, and that place came up for sale. And it was a, a half a block of real estate, of real estate. And um, my brother came to me, and I had this sack of cash from <laughs> playing. Okay. You know, deep purple all night. Right. And, all, and, uh, and the band was very successful. I mean, we had big PA, big lights, Mellotrons, all ARP 26, we sold it all and split the money up, and uh, it was a good experience, you know, and it saved my life. I was... In what way? Hiding out in another town. Oh, okay, brought, brought you back to New Orleans, you got to yeah. uh, resume your uh, yeah. Jimmy Ford identity. Uh, pretty uh, much, yeah. Right, more or less. <laughs> Fortunately. And, but and so the bar you were telling me was a 24-hour bar, and you had... It, uh, was, uh, it was open 24-7. Ladies drink free after three. After three a.m. Three a.m. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good uh, good yeah, angle, huh? Yeah. And uh, it wasn't a music bar, but when we got it, we took the grocery store out and made it a music venue. And at that time, I was, you know, been uh, traveling, making money, playing mainly cover music, mm-hmm. and uh, I was fascinated with live sound. You know, 
So I ended up buying a bunch of the Bose 800s, the black Bose with the white lettering. The uh-huh. Eight, four and a half inch speakers in each one. Put them all over my bar. Volume knob on that, almost every one. Had great sound. And I also had a Nakamichi two track. Mm-hmm. So I was recording all these bands that were coming in and <laughs> handing them a cassette at the end of the night. Uh-huh. You know, and I let bands rehearse there in the daytime. It was hilarious. Right. All these old guys would be hanging out, uh, 75 cent beers and shit, you know. Right. And bands would be rehearsing right there on the stage. And uh, you have a, your own book at this place? Are you taking bets too? Nope. Nope. No. Mr. Payne. Mr. Payne. Mr. Payne. <laughs> Uh, explained to us that we could have all the chicken shit card games we want, but if we booked any horses, he would literally pull my, I was left-handed, pull my left arm off. And now, <laughs> beat who was Mr. Payne? He was the mob guy that oh, had okay, the, so he, that, uh, that was one of his bars. Right. Now, cool let, guy, though. Cool okay. guy. Let me so, ask you something. A gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get any flack from, like, family or friends for being a draft dodger did you get any kind of flack not for one second my dad was a marine oh really he was with the first thousand marines to hit nakasaki after the bomb Hmm. they sent a thousand marines in to get infected oh yeah he had um that was in the 40s in the early 70s there was a thousand marines only eight of 80 of them were still alive wow really from the radiation poison absolutely wow they and your dad that. was one of them oh yeah oh, chewed man. his feet up mm. real bad they uh treated it as jungle rot ah, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah sure. I know. Exactly. But they didn't know i mean right well they don't think it would have been worse they for them to wear to flip-flops <laughs> right, right 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 they had to yeah. know and my dad was totally um Behind me when I said, "Fuck it, yeah, you were just fuck like, Vietnam." Yeah, exactly. Wait a minute, what are we doing? Yeah, you don't want to get the jungle rot. Right, right. You don't want to get the rot. Yeah, talk about jungle you know, rot. Are the, are the Agent Orange? Oh yeah, That's yeah. My, 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 one of my buddies died of Agent Orange. Yeah, yeah. my uncle is uh, doused in a, uh, Agent Orange. I'm sure that mm-hmm. contributed to his uh, his demise as well, man. Mm-hmm. So is this a good subject, or are we? Uh, no, <laughs> let's let's move on. Because uh, yeah, yeah. so the the next thing I wanted to know. I think it's interesting. Oh no, it yeah, is interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, for yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Talk about it all night. Yeah. But uh, well, so the next thing that on, on in your in your life is you wind up on the road with with Professor Longhair. Now, how does that happen? Well, <laughs> with Fess, um, you know, I ran twenty four seven Ford's place for like three four years, and it was just like. Popping, yeah, popping, and then I had a, um, and my brother was running the daytime. Who was it was happening, you know, and then we had a chance to sell the business, just the business, not the license and the, the actual real estate, you know. Mm-hmm. Sold that out, and I started um, designing sound systems. I've always, you know, been an audio guy, uh-huh. and I ended up um, doing being the house sound guy for the contemporary art center wow that must have been like the very very early very beginning of contemporary you know i walked with a a gang of guys through there with best off you know Mm -hmm. was giving us the whole place you know this is you can have this freight elevator going to the 
whatever the sixth floor. Uh huh. I saw I put on some shows up there, but um, I used to build these sound systems, and um, they were pretty rocking. You know, they were all the biggest speaker was a six by nine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, w- were you promoting those shows uh, at Contemporary Arts Center with like the Normals and Room Service, or is that a, a, a later period? Normals and Room Service. Well, room service was early on, but I was more doing like the um, all night jazz uh, do drop in series. Oh, okay. And during sure. Jazz Fest, we right. would have midnight to 6 a.m., and we had a. Uh, Alan Toussaint was working with me, uh-huh. and they w- he put a house band together, and we would have all these. He would be on the riverboat, come over to the CAC. Yeah, I remember those late set. night yeah. do drop in things, man. That was those me. Was so cool, man. That was me, yeah. So is that, that's, then you wind up, uh, well, I met, I fast played in my bar. Mm-hmm. This is after I kind of stepped out of running that bar. Uh-huh. And I told fast if you ever, ever go on tour, I'll go on tour with you. I'll be your tour manager. I'll be your sound man. I'll be this. I'll bring my sound system, you know, blah, 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 right. blah, blah. I told them all this shit. About two years later, these guys from New York came in during the uh, um, do drop in, mm-hmm. during, and uh, it was a guy named Bob Singerman and Frank Riley. Oh, yeah, I know Frank handled. Riley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just with Frank like three weeks ago. No kidding. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah, yeah. Frank yeah. Riley uh, booked uh, Alex Chilton. He, he did Alex Chilton. That's, that's what I was going to bring up. First tours that we, uh, we went up to. And they were the guys yeah. that offered me to move to New York and work with them. And I took over all their uh, totally unexperienced, didn't know who Richard Hell was, or any of those guys, and went up and worked with those guys. And, and you were handling European tours, like tour I managing was, over there? I was or? handling all their tour management, their live sound, and, you know, just everything. They would keep me over there. Now, so so you had, uh, that's uh, the European tours, you're handling tours for, like, who? Like, you were saying DBs? Uh, well, the first tour was the DBs. Royal Crescent Mob, you are mentioning? Royal Crescent Mob, we uh, opened for U2, toured with them. And you were, you're out on the road with them as a tour manager? Well, Royal Crescent Mob, I personally managed those guys. Okay. I, that was later on. Right, right, right. You know, I jumped from... Uh, Tour managing, co-managing, and in those days, keep in mind there was a uh, general. You're talking about late, se- uh, early '80s, late '70s. Mm-hmm. There was a general paranoia of managers or contract. You know, still is. Yeah, still is. Yeah, <laughs> sure. but there was no laws to really protect anybody. Right. You know, and um, I had bands that, at a certain point, you develop them till they get to a point where. The record company cannot do business with you unless you have a signed contract right. with the client. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bands like the DBs, World Crescent Mob, Managed Cowboy Mouth, um, Richard Hell, Handshake, you okay. know, now live the, with him. The Gun know. Club. Gun Club was a handshake. I made a ton of money with them. Were you uh, tour managing, personal managing? <laughs> Everything. Now, Jeffrey Lee Pierce, he's got to be a handful, unmanageable. Huh? unmanageable. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. So, uh, it's got to be a million Jeffrey Lee Pierce stories, huh? <laughs> Two million. But uh, you know about Gun Club? You know sure. about that band? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my partners, Frank Riley and Bob Singerman, they said, man, go check this band out. Didn't know anything about them. They were playing over in Brooklyn. 
I went over to see him. <laughs> One person in the audience. Yeah. Right? They start playing. Another guy comes in. He's up front. They're playing. Within five minutes, those two guys are fighting. <laughs> I was like, I want to work with these guys. <laughs> you can make <laughs> half awesome. the audience fight with the other half. Right, right, right. <laughs> they were they were rocking it. Now was uh, was Kid Congo in the band at that time? No, this was, was after uh, Kid. It was uh, Ward Dotson. Okay, sure. From the Liquor Giants and all those guys. Right. And Terry was still drumming. Mm -hmm. And then um, it was Pat, you know, Pat on bass. And, uh -huh. uh, Pat and I were roommates because no one, she didn't want to room with anybody back in uh -huh. the early days, except me. Okay. And she was a, a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah. But, um, and then the band flipped and we, um, the new lineup was... Uh, D-Pop on drums from Bush Tetras. Okay. Uh, Jim Duck. Jim Duckworth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On guitar. Right from the Panther Burns. He oh, yeah. He <laughs> just abandoned the Panther <laughs> Burns. Small world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, you know, Chuck Prophet says Rock and Roll College only has about 2,000 people in it. And if you stay in long enough, you wind up meeting everybody. Before, Absolutely. You know, by the, by Absolutely. The end. And uh, Pat, Pat playing bass, you know. Right. And, um, and that's when I left him, when that lineup, the... Uh, Death Party record. Okay. We did with uh, Deborah Harry. Nice. Nice. So, and, and you, you meet Richard Hell during all this time? <laughs> well, Richard was... Um, well, you know, let me stop you there, because uh, I want to get into all that, but uh, Manny, it's, I'm looking at my drink. And, okay, uh, yeah, it's time that we... Dying of thirst. Our, yeah, we feel our libations. The troubled nation knows what to do. Uh, we'll be right back. Absolutely. with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Jimmy Ford. 
Now, uh, Jimmy, uh, I want to congratulate you on doing a little bit of homework and actually listening to the podcast <laughs> before you came on it, something a surprising number of guests don't do, uh, which I can never understand. But uh, uh, again, congratulations. And while I'm thinking of it, I want to present you with a couple of Troubled Men oh, podcast man. stickers there. Yeah. Uh, so you can backstage passes to well, any uh, put them any at, show in town to any any uh, any troubled men podcast. Yeah, try, yeah, yeah, try right. using that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And put them on right. your your That's laptop free. or your uh, yeah. your your drum cases or something. Your yeah. front of your bass drum, but. Uh, uh, listening to a few of these shows, you you must have heard uh, how you know we we've had trouble with sponsorship over the course of our run, and and we are once again back to our original sponsor, which is Loose Change. Yes, I dig it. Yeah, which is uh, basically a, a way to creative way to say that uh, we are a listener sponsored operation. We're we're relying on the Loose Change and people's bank accounts that uh, if they shake their bank account hard enough, it it comes loose. And, uh, you know, you don't have to put it in an envelope. You don't have to bring it to Snake and Jake's uh, personally. You, we have uh, uh, PayPal and Venmo links right there in the show notes of every episode, as well as the, uh, the pinned Facebook page. And uh, that, those PayPal and Venmo links are there. If you want to support the podcast, uh, that's an easy way to do it. We have people listening week in and week out. And uh, so we, we beseech you to, to support the podcast week in and week out. Absolutely. Give a shout out to our, our uh, people uh, signed up to our, our Patreon page, our, our devoted patrons. They are indeed supporting the podcast week in and week out. It takes the guesswork out of it if you sign up for that Patreon page. And, uh, you know, uh, I might come and mow your lawn if you're a patron there. Um, let's see. Moving on, we have uh, uh, support us. I mean, uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to the podcast. Uh, give us five stars. Uh, helps us out a lot. Costs you nothing. Uh, we still have the Troubled Men Podcast t-shirts available in men and women sizes uh, and a variety of colors. What am I leaving out here, Manny? Anything? Uh, no. Well, you can get those shirts that say Troubled Men and right. then Troubled Men Podcast, right? Right, right. So there's two different versions of it. Right, of the logo, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the same logo, but just missing a word or adding a word. Right, right. It's because yeah. some, some people said, well, uh, it has more mystique if you leave podcast off. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And then other people want to I don't know how that's working, but it's a good idea, I guess. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's something for every, yeah. everybody gets to, uh, to, to vote with their wallet on that one. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, okay, well, I think we're, that's enough of that so back to our guest mr uh, jimmy ford That's so me. so jimmy uh, you were you were talking about how how you uh you met richard hell you were uh, you're doing tour managing and because uh, that was just going to lead somewhere so right well <clears throat> because of frank riley and and bob singerman shout out to frank riley and bob singerman. oh love him i just saw him you know he's working with uh robert plant he like manages he Robert Plant and last Frank Riley is. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Oh nice. yeah. And uh, all right. His agency. I don't know if you've looked at the Rasa High Road Touring. Okay. No, it's got to be three hundred artists. Wow. Oh yeah. Busy oh, yeah. guy, man. And he was always dedicated to. He's he's a great a Alex gr Hilton. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a, he's a great booking agent, man. He's he's a great music business professional. Look, so anyway, so you're working with him and and uh, back in the day, but. Um, 
Richard Hell popped up. And at that time, I had a, uh, when I first started working with those guys, I put together, I bought a Ford Econolon cargo van, mm-hmm. rigged it out. I had a Marshall half stack, a bass rig, and a uh, drum kit. So these bands that they were working with, a lot of kids back in those days, a lot of bands, I should say, you know, they had no place to store gear. You know what I mean? In New York. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, and um, they were all, some of them were living in their jam space, you know, paying, mm-hmm. paying rents and all. So they could, at that point, they could hire me, my driving skills, my van, my back line. I'd take care of everything. They'd help me load in, and I would get someone to help me load out. So it's kind of a turnkey operation. You oh, said yeah. to and I was have, a good sound man. Right? I was a ball buster tour manager. Sure, you know? I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get the money. <laughs> you know, now, no is what. this with Richard Hell and the Voidoids? Oh, yeah. Well, there were multiple Voidoids. But, yeah, that, I, I met Richard. Who were the original Voidoids? That was um, that was uh, Ivan Julian. Right. Ivan Julian, who's still putting out great records. Um. It was Naush. Okay. This guy Naush, he was a guitar player. I can't remember who was. Dr- I mean, it was. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't have named yeah. any of those names. Man. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's pretty but good. But I met yeah. Richard, and he, the uh, Destiny Street record had just come out. Uh-huh. And he was. His manager quit. He was like in crazy uh, musical business circumstance, mm-hmm. you know. And. Uh, I had an offer to take, they had a tour book that his manager had already grabbed all the deposits on and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And people were saying, you don't want to work with him? I, I really didn't know who he was, to be honest with you. Yeah. And so I committed to um, going out with him and uh, just ended up digging the shit out of him. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was sick. He was having some issues. Now, you show up pretty prominently in, in Richard Hell's book. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, he talks about uh, going to your farm. I yep. think your Barracuda shows up in the book. <laughs> uh, and, but I guess... <laughs> you know, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen that book. It's really, really... I'll <laughs> loan it to you. It's, very, it's a great read. It's very entertaining. Um, but uh, I, guess, I guess, like, uh, at one point, uh, you sent him to your farm. You're, you have, a, like, a family uh, piece of property somewhere or something. Is that to get clean or something? Or something? Huh? Is that to get clean? You sent him to your farm? <laughs> well, that farm, I bought that farm when I sold the bar. Oh, okay. It wasn't family. And oh, okay. that farm, which is a whole different story, but it was built in um, 1731. Wow. And it now, was where was a, that? In Mississippi? Or no, it was in uh, Virginia. Oh, okay. And at that time, I needed to, you know, a different, a different change in uh, venue. Okay. And Frank and Bob had met me on a Professor Longhair tour, and were kind of impressed with my chicanery and oh, keeping everything sure. moving, you know, and. Uh, I, they offered me this job, and I didn't want to move to New York, but I felt like I could, because I, I, um, I love animals, I love hunting, I love fishing, uh, you know, I love music. Okay. And this farm popped up for sale. I'm down with the music part, but go on. Yep. This farm popped up, and I was able to buy, you know, you see these uh, stories on the TV. It was such a great deal. 
you know, and they buy these houses, and they're haunted. Uh huh. This fucking house was haunted like a motherfucker. Really? 1731. Okay. Had a ballroom, slave quarters. It had like. This is a farmhouse. It had a, a ballroom. Oh yeah, it was kind of a plantation uh, or something. Yeah, it was a plantation. Okay, it had slave quarters. All oh, right. So you heard the screams of slaves being whipped? No, nothing what like that. Of- it was more like um, uh, it was a point of two rivers. Had Indian burial grounds on it. Yeah. You know, point of two. It was a slate right. river emptied right. into the James. I totally bought it. Because I read about it in Field and Stream magazine. Oh. This spot uh-huh. on the James River, which is Jamestown for So what seven. kind of fish are in this river? Smallmouth bass. Really? A lot of bass? Smallmouth, though. It's a cold water bass. It's not oh. a largemouth. Largemouth is a... So what kind of ghosts were on this thing? I mean, what did you said it was haunted, so what's there? It was extremely haunted. I mean, So what happened? What did you see? Um, or, or thought you saw. Well, we definitely saw. It was a big place. Mm-hmm. You know, 5,000 square feet, mm-hmm. gigantic house, slave quarters, extensive grounds. And, you know, I went and looked at it, and I just read about it in Field and Stream, this point on this river. And there's this house, and it was um, 1979 I bought that place. Okay. And first night I walked in there, yeah, I never spent the night there, mm-hmm. bought it, and at the time it was like, you know, too good to be true. Yeah. And it was... <laughs> there was, there was, uh, it was more, more to the story. It's for sale right now. Okay. So, so that's uh, the, the, the farm that, or the... the place that... Ri- well, place no, that Richard- actually, Richard, Richard, when I met Richard, I had sold that place and bought this... I had this other house that I was going to use for the lodging of my studio. I okay, was putting well, a studio together. So wait a minute. Let's get back to this haunted house. What uh, did you see? I mean, you're saying it's haunted, but what did you see or hear or feel? Well, you would constantly smell. Uh-huh. They had a big ballroom. I mean, Thomas Jefferson slept in You would house. smell what, though? You would smell stuff cooking. Oh, really? Okay. You could hear ballroom... <laughs> concussion of ballroom music uh-huh. it was considered one of the first houses that people dance as a couple hmm. it's called swan hilda it's a that's a, a house a so how heavily house were you it. drinking then not at all not at all yeah so these aren't illusions or anything and you don't believe in hauntings or ghosts i don't believe in any of that shit man i don't believe in religion i don't believe in any of that shit mm. but yeah but go so ahead but, yeah so you you sold it though because you were spooked. No. Oh, okay. I sold it. I stayed there for six years, and because uh, of the fishing. Well, I was traveling all the time. Oh, okay. I had my concession with the vans and going overseas and coming back. And for every day I worked, it was like I could take three days off. And you know, you're an enterprising guy. You've always got something going, Jimmy. Absolutely. I like that about you. you. Got a lot of energy, man. You got a lot of <laughs> <Absolutely>. imagination. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever met have you ever met anyone who loves to fish but doesn't like to eat fish? Huh. One guy. Yeah, I know one guy too. Oh yeah, tell me about him. Well, back in California, he loved to go fishing, 
catch the fish and just throw it back because he didn't like the taste of fish. What? That's good. That's but good. But he loves sushi. Huh. Which is crazy going nuts if you yeah, think about that's it. That's odd. Yeah. Nothing's better than catching a nice sushi-based fish, eating it on the beach. I only do beach fishing on okay. the beach. All right. It's the, it's the challenge of the... Of the, of um, the ocean, yeah. And well, of the, the actual angle. The fish has the angle. Yeah. From the beach. Yeah. yeah. So you don't go to lakes or rivers? I have, you but have. I am a total dedicated feet in the sand, no boats. Uh, kayaks. Kayaks sometimes. Okay. okay. Principle. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so, so anyway, Richard, I just mentioned you, you, you show up in Richard's book and then, but then, uh, so he's one of your clients also, uh, Peter Hull's apple is one of your, uh, your, yeah. your, his, uh, his solo careers is post DBs. Uh, well, you know. I'm, I managed the DBs. I mean, for three albums, you oh, know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I was a co-engineer on their, uh, like this record. That's when I kind of, Became their manager when nice. we did that record up in Bearsville. With um, they were in Bearsville, which was a tricky situation. But I was able. It was Albert Grossman. Sure, sure. Peter Holsapple <laughs> does not want to do this podcast for some I heard reason. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I uh, can't Welcome. blame can't can't yeah. blame Peter. I understand. I understand where he's coming from. Uh, you know, not every, it's not it's not for everybody. I get that. Uh, I like Peter. Um, he's loving. A, he's a sweet guy and so so talented, man. I saw. I don't know if you saw. You probably saw some of those uh, Continental Drifters uh, reunions this time around. Jazz Fest band sounded terrific. It was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, was, they, were uh, on, they were on Monkey Hill the first. Yes, getting getting stuff. getting yeah. getting to the next phase of your life. Uh, you're, you're back in New Orleans. You start a record label, uh, Monkey Hill Records, and you have have uh, artists like Cowboy Mouth, The Blue Runners, Continental Correct. Drifters, right. Barry Cowsill, which was amazing material. Yeah. Now, now is Frank Quintenny your partner in this? Yeah, and the original um, two partners was Frank and I. And then we uh, we were able to um, get um, raise a bunch of venture capital. And back in those days, you know, it was the more money you could lose, the, the better. The more you were worth. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, well, you know, I, I can uh, show you how to lose the money. Sure. Well, you know, so uh, Frank was was with uh, Shelly Barbaro, and, and right? I was playing with Except Pat dudes. Barbaro. Yeah. Um, oh, so I, I, oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And Brian, I didn't know the, that. Yeah, yeah, Brian, I know Shelley's Brian. brother, yeah. and so he and I were the rhythm section, and, and <laughs> Pat Barbaro, Big Bad. That is awesome, the Jefferson dude. Orleans. That is awesome, dude. <laughs> that was what I did uh, in, in um, I think, my senior year in high school, my freshman wow. year in college or something like that. Yeah, so so I knew Frank through then, So, but uh, mm -hmm. you had Monkey Hill, and, and that label, you guys put out a whole bunch of records on that label. We put out, like, 19 records. And uh, at that point, I had uh, I had been offered to resurrect Bearsville Records, hmm. which was Albert's label. He right. had died, and he left in his will, which is crazy. I mean, I was able to get the DBs release from him. Uh -huh. I mean, he's very he hangs on to every. You know the uh, he was the best, right? Bob Dylan. I mean, you you've seen the the the, the scene in uh, Don't Look Back Don't where look back. where where Grossman's got a phone in each hand oh, and yeah. he keeps switching back and forth, and every time he changes oh, yeah. phones, the price goes up by look, five thousand dollars. Look, look, look! You get in a negotiation with him, 
Yeah. He would say, stand in line behind Bob Dylan. Yeah. And then I'll talk to you. Yeah. And then it'd say shit like, look, you don't have any money. Who's paying your phone bill? I got all the money. Right? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But I had, a, I had a good relationship with Albert, you know, and he released the DBs, which was the impetus that I became their manager. Okay. They were fucked. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of bands that work with Albert, obviously Janis Joplin, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Odetta. You know Albert Grossman, right? He was. I have no idea who you're talking about. He was the original super fucking manager before they had laws to. Okay, was he, he the guy in the Ruddles documentary that John maybe. Belushi played? I, I don't know that, but uh, he was Bob Dylan's manager. Okay. Janis Joplin. Yeah. Peter Paul and Mary. Yeah. The band. Yeah. Uh, Some of the worst Odetta. acts I've ever heard in my life. Odetta. <laughs> Odetta. Yeah. He drove he drove uh Janice's Porsche after she died. Yeah. He was a ruthless crazy guy. Great great manager, man. Anyway, uh, so 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 you you uh you you got the DBs out of the contract with him and, and signed and them to IRS. Okay. With you know the Copeland's sure. They, sure. All the money from the police, Miles right. Copeland. They formed this great label, and um, that's yeah. what it, that's what the Deebs wanted to be. Right now, now, did you have the studio on Paris Avenue? That uh, that the I think that's where they recorded that Richard Hell record that was made here. That was one of them. Yeah. That because yeah. that's the studio that we recorded the Guitar Slim Junior record at. It's, it had the had the uh, control room. You had to have a set of pull down stairs, uh, and, yeah. you, and you put the stairs up, and you and you could do some cutting. That was that that was your that studio. That is correct, but that was not my gear. Okay. When I um, took that property over from a good friend of mine who just passed away about a year ago, I mean he and I have been friends together. Pictures of he and I in a baby bed laying wow. side by side. Because, you know, we just had Nicky Sonsenbach on the podcast a yep. couple of weeks ago. And, and and he mentioned, yeah, I brought him in there. Nicky was on that, Nicky played on that Richard Hell the record. Rip, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I brought, uh, I brought Nicky, I brought him in and uh, brought him to um, France with me. Oh, you were on that tour? I was managing you, Richard, yeah. Okay, all yeah, right, yeah. all right. And we went over and uh, we rehearsed the band. I played drums till uh, Anton Fig uh -huh. came in and played the show, and so that wow. would happen a bunch. Wow! Where we would—I mean, sometimes the uh, crew, the roadies—that you know, the crew—I don't like calling them roadies, right? But the crew were all great musicians. Sure. And we would do the sound checks, and we would do the run-throughs, and all the time. Yeah. I played drums, you know. Right. And. Um, and that was, uh, I took uh, Nikki with me to France. And the best, best part about that trip was they were all in rehab yeah. in the band, except Nikki and I. Uh -huh. So we got all the drink tickets. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet, yeah. Yeah, it was nice, sweet. Nice. <laughs> then you have a son, you and Sue, you get married. Uh, you yeah, have, have the son, Frankie Ford. Frankie I, Ford. I love the named after the great Frankie Ford, Absolutely. New Orleans piano player, Sea Cruise. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> and and we well, actually actually he was named after my brother who was Frankie. But, okay, but right, it right. worked out. Right, right, right. 
So uh, my <laughs> son and, and your son, Frankie, were in an AARP commercial together. Uh, in our case? That they, that they both made a ton of money on. Absolutely. <laughs> what? That Doug Garrison, the drummer from the Iguanas, oh, played yeah. your son as a as a grown up in the commercial. And <laughs> why didn't they? And AJ Loria have me. And, t- and AJ Loria played the grown up version of my son. Why didn't they have me? Anyway, I know. look, Frankie kind of looks like me. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. My son kind of looks like me too. <laughs> and but, I was uh, like, they were like, dude, you two like. Rock and roll, you know, too young looking. That's what yeah, I was. Yeah. I was and teasing I was like, the director. I was like, I know why I didn't give get me it. one week, and uh, I can dumb it up. I was like, uh, I, 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 I look too young to, to play the. They uh, made the, an astronomical the, amount of money. Oh man, I couldn't believe it. Uh, it's, uh, he's he's my son still. It's his, still his nest egg. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was a fucking windfall, man. Um, <laughs> you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it's around this time that you you start uh, uh, your second or third studio, the Jimmy Ford Clinic. Mm-hmm. That's at your house. That was yeah. at my house. I actually, um, yeah, I've been working in studios. Kind of cleared the deck. I'm having a baby. Sold all my stock in Monkey Hill. Sold a bunch of gear. I had I had a bunch of vintage um, sixteen track two inch. Mm-hmm. Was my format. I remember days. that machine. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. I got that machine from Carlo. Right. Carlo Nusi. Right, right. Carlo calls me from California. I knew about that machine. And in those days, ADATs, ADATs. Everybody was going ADATs, right, right. which I had a rack of them, but I was wanting a, a solid 16 track machine. Tape. Yeah. Yeah, tape. And uh, I was working with this band called uh, Rutabaga. Mm hmm. Sure. You remember those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bass and drums. Right. Cool band. Coolest. 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 Cool. I heard them. And Molly ended up playing with Dave and I with our band, the Gnarled Tones. Gnarled Tones, right. Yeah. Dave Catching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I know you have like a 30-plus year uh, association with the great Dave Talk Catching. Talk to him today. Yeah. You told him you were doing this? Oh, yeah. Oh, Former yeah. guest of ours, Dave Catching. You, of course, remember Dave Catching, Manny? Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure, I did. One, yeah. one of our guests with a giant white beard. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, we've had a couple. Uh, uh, he and I, uh, I've been knowing him longer than I've known Sue. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I've known Dave going back to Memphis when I was playing with Alex, you know, oh, like yeah. when he was oh, in yeah, the modifiers. Yeah, yeah. You he's know, and, he's and, the best. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're doing a record with him right now. So you're now, you, you and your, your wife Sue have the band Danola, your current, Danola, current project. Uh, that's, our, that's our big uh, touring machine. You know, we have a deal. Uh, we, have a de- we just completed a deal with Saustex okay. in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Jeff, Jeff Smith. It's a singer from the uh, Hickoids. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he's got this great label. We did a licensing deal with him. We just got all that material back. We have a uh, record in a can with um, Tony Mamoni. Mm-hmm. Do you know who he is, Tony uh, Mamoni? I know that name. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. was a co-founder of Per Ubu. Oh, yeah, 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 he yeah. Did a, he Dave worked Thomas with Husker D. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. Played with Bob Mould. Um, there Might Be Giants. He did, oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He does yeah, yeah. all the Sesame Street stuff. We have a licensing deal with a label in Berlin, 
now. Cool. Called uh, Dave Denif- Catchings has the uh, tequila company. Yeah, yeah. Rancho del Rancho yeah. De La Luna. Mezcal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mezcal. Yeah. I've yeah. been drumming with the uh, Mojave Lords. Cool, wow. man. Oh, yeah, right. nice. Yeah. And, and they take cases of that shit with yeah, yeah. us. I've had my first blackout. Your really? first, really? <laughs> oh, t- yeah. Taking you a long on time. with the Mojave <laughs> oh. Lord. Okay. Oh, cool. I've been Blackout drumming with them yeah, for yeah. a few years. But, uh, I tell you what, uh, I'm not really a tequila, or, but I am a mezcal drinker now that I've had uh, Rancho Del Rancho. They might have some back. delicious, man. They probably do have some here. Yeah, we should do they, a shot. They do. We will do a shot at <laughs> when we're done here. <laughs> It's it's really a uh, smooth man. It is smooth. But so so you know the legendary Rancho Del Luna uh, studio in, yeah. in in Joshua Tree. That's that's yeah. where all that that came from. That's the foundation. Yeah. Dave has been an owner for you Desert know, Sessions. Yeah, yeah. Forever and ever. He still has it now. And you're Absolutely. telling me that uh, that you and Sue were are working on a record well, with, with Dave there at uh, at uh, well, Davey, Joshua Tree, huh? Davey. At my 70th birthday party. Oh. Gave me 10 days at the rancho. Nice. So we went out to do it, and then it turned into like, well, let's just do a, with the three of us. Uh-huh. You know, it was just going to be Sue and I, and Dave and I have been, we've been playing together a while with all his little crazy, you know. <laughs> right. You know. sweetheart, man. I love that guy. Everybody I does. I met him on a weed deal. You, you, won't, you won't find a person to say a bad word about Dave Catching. I, Look, I, I dare you, man. People, people that gave me his number said, the worst thing I think I'm ever going to do is put you two guys together. Oh, yeah. And they were right. They were right. They were right. I mean, I talked to him a couple of days ago. You know, we're, nice. we're doing this record right now, which is a bunch of material. From Sue, my wife, her past, and uh, Dave, the stuff that we wrote with um, Gnarl Tones, which is, you know, le- you know, pretty legendary right. fucking material. Yes, yes. Know, which yes. some of it, you know, Danola recorded, It's Never Been Done, uh, I Want to Die in New Orleans, which originally we did the original thing with Josh Hami from Queens. Right. And literally... Lightning at the studio. Wow. Fucking shut it down. Oh, yeah. Was that at uh, Rancho? No, that was at Jimmy Ford Clinic. Oh, okay. Which was my studio. Right, right, right. Cool. Wow. But that 16 track, two inch recorder, I bought that from Carlo. And he. Rock and roll college, man. I was like, I was like, he had it. I knew about it. And I was like, he, he wanted to sell it. In those days, everybody was buying ADATs, and they cost like 1100 bucks or whatever. And I was like, Carlo, look, I'll buy that from you if I would buy a new ADAT. And he put it in the back of his Bronco, land on its back. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's uh, not exactly the best way to transport. Right. Drove it, ran out of gas, had a big adventure, came all the way back, pulled it out of his Bronco, Put it in my studio and it cranked right up. Yeah, and I had that thing for like five, and I only bought it to do the Rutabaga record. Get a fat sound out of the. All I was that, like, all if that, I can do tape, man, if I can get this one record out of this thing, I'll be happy. Right, and that fucking thing, five six years, and then Katrina got it. Oh fuck, man. Oh yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. 
Well, uh, something we've have, we've been uh, we've been holding the, this uh, this final kernel back, but uh, Manny actually has a has a conjunction with uh, with you through your stepson, the great Jonah Baskell. Uh, who who oh, ran yeah. for mayor? Uh, ran for mayor along. Right. Was that your first uh, your first campaign? I no, think second I think it campaign. Was second or third. Maybe he was a guy <laughs> in the wheelchair. Yes, he was. Yeah, and and Jonah ran uh, just as a, a, a single issue candidate. Yeah, and the issue was uh, New Orleans. Uh, RTA Regional Transit Authorities, St. Uh, Charles Streetcar. St. Charles Streetcar need to be handicap friendly. Well, yes. they 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 had uh, delayed enacting uh, the ADA, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act uh, requirements that to would, to yep. to make uh, streetcars accessible to to wheelchairs. And well, Jonah took that on. Talk about that song. Well, you know, it was never ever that we wanted them to um, deface historically classic green streetcars on St. Charles. Mm -hmm. All we wanted them to do was add some of the red cars from Canal Street, uh -huh. which were, you know, um, accessible. Yeah, go to the park and all that. And stuff. we didn't want them to make it every stop. If we could get three or four or five stops on the, you know, just like 40-something stops right. on the St. Charles line, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all we wanted was to have a place where someone in a wheelchair could go, oh, man, I can go to Jefferson and St. Charles and at, you know, 320 mm -hmm. and hook up with a uh, accessible car. Right. And we didn't want anyone or for any reason to hurt any of the oak trees. And mm -hmm. they would just ignore us on that. We're not asking for you know, they were like um, assessing the um, cost based on every stop. Uh huh. We were like five stops. Right. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's how we won. I mean, we we actually won the um, the suit. Right. After he died. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, and then his brother passed away too. Did no, his brother is still with me to oh. this day. Oh really? I thought his brother passed. No, away. his brother is uh, thirty-nine. Jesse Baskell. Okay, yeah. He's yes. been living with me since he was ten. Really? Yeah. Where are the parents? Well, well his mom is my wife, and his oh, okay, all right, I get you now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> right, one of them's right dad, here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But Frank, you know, and Frankie's been an amazing. My son Frankie, just been an amazing. He runs Jesse's total care. It's twenty four seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because Jesse has the same problems, right? Muscular dystrophy. Yeah. 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 And Jonah, didn't they make a documentary about? Oh him? yeah. Jonah yeah. stands up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's um. Well, I remember it's, the first time I met all, him. It's still on tour. What's first that? time I met him was at a, uh, a candidate forum at uh, I was there. Xavier. Uh huh. I was there. And uh, Mitch Landrew was, you know, he was the front runner. Mm -hmm. And I killed that night. I really killed that. Yeah, you night. did. And I remember that. I was yeah. there. And the thing uh, with Jonah, he would show up for every debate. Yeah. But they couldn't get him on the stage. Yeah. But and that Mitch was Landry. his point, because right, right, because it, it wasn't wasn't ADA compliant, <laughs> yeah, right, right, like the rest of the city. So they yeah. would have to make special accommodations. But you know, for Mitch Landrieu, mm -hmm. career politician, I'd never seen this before. I mean, it was insane. 
after Jonah answered all the questions, basically he answered every question by saying, let's make the streetcars handicap friendly. Oh, yeah. He didn't know about fucking crime or education. He didn't have the answers for that, which I didn't have either. But anyway. Jonah. You're talking about Jonah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when the forum was over, I'll never forget this. It was was a winter night. It was kind of chilly, so I was putting on my jacket, getting ready to leave, and Mitch Landrieu fucking snaps his fingers his photographers come up and he kneels down with Jonah by his wheelchair oh, yeah. and takes a bunch of fucking photos with this kid and Jonah was, like, was badass yeah. yeah but I just thought fuck you Mitch you mm-hmm. fucking asshole you know why don't you go ride your bicycle with your Chinzano cap on you know <laughs> well, like I seen him you know Mitch lived two blocks from us oh yeah boop boop yeah and became and he would come over and talk to us and he was you know Mitch is a good, is a nice. Was guy. he perfect? No. Yeah, yeah but no. But Mitch is he a was cool. Person. Yeah, yeah. But Jonah, Jonah was, you know, Jonah was serious. Yeah. And his uh, campaign slogan was, uh, he was in a wheelchair. I'll stand up for you. Yes. <laughs> right. And then he well, did. Well, Mitch uh, is an asshole to me because he's the one who filed that grievance to me during his re-election campaign. He right. filed a grievance to me. Right. Which made me drop out of the race. Yeah, there was some yeah. some yeah. political shenanigans yeah. with uh, because there was no one running against him. Right. He except me and one other person, and he didn't want the circus to be in town. So he found something that I did wrong in my campaign filings and he, and he jumped he, on it he put the put the law out after yeah. manny yeah yeah, yeah. Man, manny had to get fuck that drummed guy, out man. drummed out of the campaign yeah, over yeah. A, over a campaign uh technicality yeah i didn't cross an <laughs> I, I didn't cross a t or dot an i or something uh, like that because yeah, he had that. so much fucking money that he didn't know what to do with it uh-huh. so he's just like get this guy out of here we man. just we just started blocking streetcars and yeah there you go yeah well, <laughs> civil man, disobedience man. Yeah. man that's where it's at. oh yeah, yeah man we blocked uh uh, at uh, Martin Luther King and St. Charles. Oh, and nice. we that's where we did it because they had happy hour bars all around. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, St. Charles that Tavern. Was good. Yeah. St. Charles Tavern was right there. <laughs> there you um, go. Yeah. Well, uh, so so you know we're we're this is uh, the last few moments of, of the podcast. Right. So we, we have uh, Danola uh, completing a record with uh, Dave catching at uh, Rancho Della Luna. Right. You guys. Uh, of uh, bright things ahead of you, still uh, you're. Absolutely. I can see, uh, you know, your your all of this years of experience have not uh, diminished your enthusiasm or your energy one bit, nah. Jimmy. God, you're. I'm, pl- I'm planning a great tribute band right now. Oh, okay, well. Oh yeah, you know it's uh, some of the guys that helped Jesse. You know we have 24 seven care for him, mm-hmm. keep him totally tight. Right. And all these guys are just killer musicians they're all in their 20s but we were jamming at my studio then i was like let's stop jamming let's pick a band Mm -hmm. and do a tribute to them so we're doing uh supergrass oh okay i don't know if you know about supergrass Supergrass, yes i do they are amazing right band from london Mm -hmm. yeah kids yeah, and um, they had that one big pop hit. I remember yeah, it's it. um, uh, what's the name of that pop? It's hit? um, and it's all of, right. Yeah, and and it's, a lot it's of commercials. On, it's, it's on it's a, a commercial. Yeah, it's right a now. lot of commercials out there. I really liked that band when they came out, but they just came out and they and, died. And they were big when Frankie was in high school. Yeah, and then he was always saying, "Man, that, listen that to this." That video thing. for that song is hilarious too. They kill it. And, yeah, Supergrass. Three hundred million fucking hits. I wow. mean, it was a major okay. hit, right. but it's in a commercial right now. It's in a commercial. Yeah. 
It's called It's All Right. Yeah, was, I think it's for uh, some kind of diuretic thing or something. We're young. Yeah, we were young. We're all right. Awesome yeah, band. Right. So we decided to um, cover this. Cola Guard. It's huh? for Cola Guard, I think. <laughs> okay. It might, it, yeah, it might be. It might be. it's for Cola Guard. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah. But we call the band uh, Want Some Supergrass. There you go. Right. Yeah, and so we've been. And whatever doing happened to Supergrass? They're rocking. I they're mean, still they around. Well, eight, ten years have passed. They're on tier, uh, tour right now. Really? Okay. They're awesome. I mean, it blew me they're away. They're playing Cola Guard conventions or something. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I don't think that. Else, but I tell you what, the polishing on something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> all you Good want. Night. Right. Right. Good night. Right. Just like any kind of TV show, you want to run at least four seasons, and then fuck those that could residuals. Be nice. That could be those nice. residuals start coming in for the reruns. That could be nice. Nice. Yeah. Well. uh Jimmy, thank you so much for thank coming you, on the Jimmy. podcast, man. Uh, I can't believe it took us this long, but man, it was, oh, man. I, kn- I knew it was, uh, it was, it I get was around. worth the wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jimmy, uh, as always on the Troubled Men podcast, we like to say uh, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Hey, just getting started. Good night. I wanna-